Welcome to the Detroit Startup Week 2019 podcast, Founder to Founder. I'm your host, Ingrid Green. We're here to celebrate the innovators, makers, and pioneers who are fueling Detroit's entrepreneurial ecosystem and give you a behind-the-scenes look into what makes our startup culture unstoppable. Detroit Startup Week, powered by Quicken Loans in partnership with Venture Catalyst, is a free five-day celebration of entrepreneurship hosted at Durfee Innovation Society and Lear Innovation Center. Join us as we shine a light on a different founder in each episode for a glimpse of what you can expect during Detroit Startup Week. It's cool to talk to COO and co-founder of May Mobility, Allison Malik. A self-driving shuttle provider based in Ann Arbor, May Mobility works with communities to make transportation safer and more personal. Formerly the head of Innovation Pipeline at General Motors and investment manager at GM Ventures, Allison has tons of past experience in leading automotive engineering teams and autonomous strategy. Behind the scenes, Allison is also owner of Corktown Studios, a small artist collective in Detroit that includes a gallery and studio space. Welcome, Allison. How are you doing? I'm doing well, doing well. Man, I just, you know, one of the, it's, it's so cool that you're going to see kids after this because I don't know why, but maybe it's because I'm, I'm doing the drones for girls thing, but I don't feel like I grew up with any business acumen. I don't feel like, like I learned a lot of flexible skills, um, intangible skills, uh, playing soccer and studying architecture and doing those things that kind of transferred or I needed them and I didn't know I needed them um, as a founder of Drones for Girls. But I really wish I had somebody <laughs> talk to me <laughs> when I was in high school because I didn't know that was a path that I was on. Did you know? So I am oddly fortunate in that I was the child of entrepreneurs. So my, my mom ran her own hair salon, and my dad ran his own audio and acoustics installation business. So they weren't like multi-billion dollar scalable startup businesses. But still. But they were owned businesses. Yeah. Uh, we, our households lived through the ebbs and flows of the economy. Right. Um, which I think also gave me a bit more of the, the sort of sense of patience <laughs> that things uh. take time to grow. They're going to scale. They're going to scale back. Um, so I never really, you know, sat down and like talked about doing the books, but my mom was the bookkeeper. And so I, I think I picked up on more of like, these are types of things that need to happen um, early on, which I feel very fortunate for just having been environmentally exposed to. Um, so it never seemed completely foreign to me that like, one would start their own business. Um, mm. I tried many times. Mm. The lemonade stands in the middle of nowhere. Um, I actually worked for a woman in undergrad who ran her own fashion company. Cool. Because I, I knew how to sew. Okay. And so I was doing um, sewing work, piece work for her. Right. And then actually started trying to do my own thing and yeah. learned that that's hard. Well, you okay. really got to find your market and right. make sure you <laughs> your price point <laughs> There's right. a little more that goes into it than just that. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I think there's, there's always been that comfort with like, oh, I can do that. 
um, mm. that's helped. Mm-hmm. And I think for me also having been able to uh, be an engineer at GM for a long time, right, and then go into venture and kind of learn that size of like okay. side of like scaling startups. Yeah, 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 yeah. And getting exposed to it, I don't know if I would have been like, oh yes, I can do a venture backed startup without that experience. Okay, that would have been uh, well, a lot to take off. So what what can we do to help kids feel like they can do this, or they 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 have what it takes to do? Like, what can we do? I think a big part of it is just going to tell our stories. Mm. And so that's why I'm mm-hmm. excited. So, so we, we kicked off. I'm, yeah. I'm scuttling out of here at 11 o'clock sharp. Um, so I can go talk to kids from Pontiac in particular because those are the kids that don't usually get to hear those stories. Right. That you, you can do it. And right. I think a big part of it is getting out and setting the example mm. and talking about it. Mm-hmm. Talking about the, the fun parts, mm-hmm. but also talking about the parts that are hard. Right. And being realistic. Right. And being a resource. Because I think if okay. the more, you know, I grew up seeing entrepreneurs. My, my family was entrepreneurial. And, and it makes it more real. So the more that we can get out and talk to kids and be like, this is an option. Yeah. And for those kids that aren't blessed with exposure to it, here's what you have to do. Okay. Okay. Was there anything about, like, did you know that you needed to, do, to be venture-backed? Or was it something that you didn't seek right away? Or, uh, like, uh, as far as May Mobility is yeah. concerned, not the lemonade stand. Yeah. <laughs> the lemonade stand did not need venture backing. It needed no. some mom and, mom and pop backing. Okay, all right. Um, and I think that that's a really great question. Um, for May Mobility, we knew we would need to be venture backed because there is uh, a good amount of work that we needed to put into R&D and sort of standing up the team before we could right. get going. So we needed a pretty big chunk of change to get get things started. But there are plenty of companies that don't need too much startup capital. Right. Where right. where venture backing might not make sense, but maybe it's it's seed funding at, or um, what's called a friends and family round, which sure. is something I had never heard about oh. before I entered the venture space. Oh. And so to our discussion about like Oh, yes. These are the things that you learned. That was one I had to learn. I was like, wait, what? People know people that have enough money to just like throw down a big check and hope it works out. Um, Some people know those people. Other people like myself and my co-founders, we needed more money, but we didn't have, you know, friends that could throw down one million dollars. No. And so for, for those of us that don't have that kind of access to capital through our immediate networks, it's thinking about how much money you, you need to get uh, to get your minimum viable product and then thinking about what your network can support and what new networks of people you might need to build. And I think what's exciting to me in Michigan, I actually work with the um, First Capital Fund out of Invest Detroit. And the whole point of that fund is how can we get capital, early stage capital, so, so some of the first checks in um, to be able to help founders that maybe don't have friends and family that can afford to throw in even $25,000. That's a lot of money. Uh, yeah. And so that, like, how do we get that started? So for anybody listening to the podcast, checking out... Um, Angel investor networks, talking to groups like the Michigan Economic Development Council. There's a lot of resources, and it's uncomfortable, but we got to get out there and ask. And one of the other things that I, I do is I'm actually a scout for a fund called Clio Capital. Um, and working with the founder, Sarah Kunz, the whole idea, especially having a scout in Michigan, was like, let's rethink this model. In Silicon Valley, it's really easy to like wander into the right coffee shop and find people that write twenty-five thousand dollar checks. 
not the same thing in Michigan. So how can we rethink creating that network? But also, you know, it's about the network, but also knowing how much you need and why. Yeah. So just assuming somebody's yes. going to like write you a big check is well. also, you know, <laughs> do, do some of your homework. Uh, <laughs> know if you want to be venture backed or if you just right, need a little bit of right. startup capital. And is there a place to find, and this is a question for every entrepreneur at any stage of the game, where do you find a mentor? Like if you're in high school, where do you find a mentor? Never mind <laughs> all of the, I mean, every entrepreneur, I would say every human needs to have people around them. Where does a high schooler find a business mentor? That is a great question, and I don't have a, <laughs> a great answer. I think part of it is getting involved. Okay. And so in high school, it's tough. Okay. It's a little bit earlier. You might yeah. want to, if there's a specific space of business that's interesting to you, even okay. if it's starting out at the ground level, so okay. it's not the, the ultimate job that you want, but it's an industry that you want to get into, finding a met mentor in part is about finding somebody that that's a couple steps ahead of you. Yeah. So it could also be another high school student. Okay. If maybe they've got their own Or a college student. Or a college student. Okay. Somebody that's a couple steps ahead and can give you some guidance, but also that's ready to invest in you. And, and figuring out the ready to invest in you, that's where um, showing a mutual interest, so maybe being involved in the network. So you're finding people that, like, have a similar passion so that way you can come together it creates a little bit more of a natural opportunity okay. than just like i'm going to search through not the yellow pages i'm going to just search through <laughs> facebook nobody uses the yellow pages anymore so it's a, it's we're a, gonna date a, okay. we're dating ourselves <laughs> yes. uh search through facebook and like that person looks cool or linkedin right. that person looks cool i'm going to email them and ask them to be my mentor sometimes that might work but many times it won't it's figuring out how you have that sort of mutual interest and in, in using your network to try to find those people and in high school that is tough um, but looking at college students looking at volunteer groups um, and on other ways to get in with people that have that similar interest okay so last question I'm gonna let you fly um, you're going to give a talk what if somebody came up to you what what could someone say to, to uh, make you go, okay, I'm going to put some time in here. This is, this is like, what, how does a high schooler approach somebody if they have an idea and they're, they, they feel like they're in the right place and they feel like they have the right person in front of them to at least ask a question, what is the question that's going to get your attention and make you go, hmm, okay, maybe there's something here? For, from like a, a mentorship or giving feedback or, um, or what? Yeah, well, I, I don't know what really what really rings your bell or, okay. or whatnot, but like gets gets your attention. So I will give a, f a full disclosure. Okay. I am a, a, a founder and currently operating a company, and I also run another small company in Detroit. So for any high schooler during startup week, it <laughs> walks up to me and, yeah. and to any entrepreneur. Yeah. And if and if for some reason it just doesn't click, like please do not let that break your heart. You do not know what that other person is trying to juggle that day. Um, so for me, a lot of times things will get me really excited. Yeah. And the most value that I can give back is if there's a specific 
question that I could answer. And so if it's like, I have this idea, um, what would be a a good network to go like check it out on? So it's not on me to like spend two more hours with this person. Maybe in the future I will be interested in that investment. But right now, like I think about my day in every 15 minute segments and like I have to make sure my dog gets his time and my husband gets. So like that's, that's the accounting that's going on. How can I have a quick helpful kind of direction. So if you're at a fork in the road, like thinking about what are the decisions that you're trying to make or the insights that you're trying to get and how can you ask a question so I can help you in that moment. So it's not just, hello, it's nice to meet you. I would love to like get coffee with you because in the back of my head, I'll be like, I would love that too when I'm home again. Right. Um, But if it's, (laughs) hello, it's nice to meet you. I'm really interested in this space of um, educational technology and I, I want to you know bring it into the classroom, where should I start? I can then think through, okay, where in my network is there somebody that's useful? Or if they want to work on mobility um, solutions where I have a, a stronger network, where in my network can I at least create some interesting and useful connections? Okay. Because as a... So maybe asking for a connection? Yeah, as a, as a founder, that's... that's to be perfectly sorry, busy, um, that's an easy thing for me. That is an easy investment that I can make, and that creates that first connection in our relationship. So let's say we figure out the right introduction, and I'm able to make that intro, and you, you know, whomever asked for it kind of runs down that path. Just check back in and say, hey, thank you. Here's where that led me. And so if people are trying to build relationships with mentors, even if you just run with like one introduction and follow up, that starts to create a strong thread of a relationship. And that's when you get back to the mentorship part of it, that's what's important. Because sometimes, you know, mentors are going to ebb and flow in your life in terms of, I have a lot of different ones depending right. on what I'm, I'm yeah. dealing with. And sometimes they're just like, I'm sorry, I can't yeah. do that right now. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, I, but I really need your help. So then the phone calls happen in it at 11 p.m. at night. Um, but, but those mentorship relationships, there was time put in to getting to the point where I'm allowed to call at 11 o'clock at night. (laughs) Well, I think um, you just said something that really uh, resonated and and echoed something that I heard from Delane Parnell uh, when he spoke at Bamboo is follow-up is really important. And he said that if he doesn't hear from somebody within a day or two, then he knows that they're really not... um, as passionate as he needs to invest in. Yeah. And he typically, look, <laughs> I'm really, really busy. Um, and he he either says no or declines politely or what, whatever it is, but that sends a signal to him. If that person doesn't follow up in 48 hours, they're not, they're not there. I think that's, that's a, a good rule and one that most, especially entrepreneurs that are currently in the business live by. And so that, that is an awesome kind of summary of like follow up because it shows us that you're invested too. Thank you so much for coming. I appreciate this was so much fun today. Good. I hope we can do it again. I hope so too. If you have an entrepreneurial mindset, you belong here. Want to be part of the action? Check out Detroit Startup Week. June 17th to the 21st, 2019. It's completely free. And you can register online now at DetroitStartWeek.com. Find out what you need in over a dozen specialized tracks for any entrepreneur at any stage. First up, 
Day one focuses on mobility, marketing, and technology where you'll learn the keys to unlocking your growth potential and making your business stand out. Huge thank you to Audio Wave Network, Dime, and WeWork for all your support in bringing this podcast to fruition. Stay tuned. <laughs>